spoiler alert. Oh, this is the only fucking podcast about The Sopranos. So what, no fucking ZD now? Tonight on No Fucking ZD, we'll be talking about our Sunday evening with David Chase, the season three episode University, and whether or not Noah Tannenbaum has a condom. It's an all new episode of No Fucking ZD. Yeah. Welcome to No Fucking ZD. The uh the morning edition of No Fucking ZD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird it's weird listening to stripper music like right off the bat. In the yeah. <laughs> this is the we just woke up No Fucking ZD episode and yeah. uh, <laughs> the things that we do for you guys. Yeah. Uh, we just finished our cereal, and uh, and I guess we should we should go over. We missed last week because we went to the Vulture TV festival and right. got a chance to see we went to like 90 minutes of the festival. Yeah, I guess we didn't really do too much Shout out to festivities. Vulture. Yeah, but shout out to Vulture <laughs> uh, um, for the free wine. That was nice. That um, was that was nice. Yeah. Uh, but we, we saw the one, the only. Alex Mack. Alex Mack was there. <laughs> Her secret world is no longer secret. Uh, we saw David Chase uh, speak with uh, critic Matt Solar Zeitz, or Matt Zoller Seitz, excuse me, mess that up. Whatever, it's his fault if you mess that up. Yeah, right? I mean, too, that's way too many names, <laughs> what Mr. Seitz. What a fucking Seitz. $10 name, bro. Yeah. Uh, which was really cool. It was at Milk Studios in, in, in New York City, the New York City in New York State. <laughs> the Milk. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, like, like you said, they had free wine. There was mm-hmm. an elevator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Goddamn bathroom yeah you know? <laughs> true true uh oh no we didn't find a bathroom in the end we had to actually go to the oh, studio yeah, well, to yeah. find a bathroom after well, we accidentally left the ticketed area yeah uh but it was really cool i mean uh there were a fair amount of people there dr melfi lorraine Bracco herself was in the audience yeah um, she was was she funny to be having a nice time yeah and uh and eileen landris is another producer from the show who's also there who actually makes a cameo in one of the episodes that we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks i did not know that i, guess. I knew she looked familiar oh okay well, and i figured out she's not the woman who answers the phone in Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> we were debating that. Um, but yeah, it was cool. I mean, he David Chase spoke for, yeah, about 90 minutes. Like um, 90 minutes and like flat. They yeah, were like, okay, much. we're done. Yeah, and then there was a and a I mean, most of it was about The Sopranos. A lot of it was also just kind of about his like general TV experience. That was really which, cool because like you, you see a show like The Sopranos and you wonder like where what the what, what someone's drawing on for something like that that's yeah. so vivid. And he said a lot of things like, oh yeah, the... Uh, which scene was it? He said he wrote in in oh the one where Polly and and Chrissy yeah. were eating the ketchup packet. Ketchup packet from Pine he, Barrens. Yeah, he said he thought of that in 1968. Yeah, and then finally got a chance to use it. Yeah, in the Pine Barrens episode. Yeah, I mean he he said it wasn't obviously Christopher and Polly quite yet, but it was like right. some uh, iteration of that idea. Like two guys, two wise guys, you know, like, stuck in the woods. Like find a van with ketchup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I have to say that scene, like watching it on the big screen with him there and like a big audience, like. I don't think I've ever laughed that much at that scene. Me like, neither. It's, it's always been funny, but it was well, laugh out loud funny that night. I think also like you're like at something like that, you're watching it without any context. Yeah. And that episode isn't exactly like, I mean, cause the situation that that precipitates from is like not, it's not lighthearted. Yeah, you know? I guess not. <laughs> and like, we're in the midst of like lots of, lots of shit flying around with Gloria Trillo and stuff. Right. And right. I think that watching it out of context, you realize just how funny it is. Yeah. And maybe how, how hard they had to work to make things funny, like in the middle of that show. Right. I guess so. Yeah. You maybe, know what I mean? Yeah. Because things had to be like sort of extra funny. Yeah. Yeah. True. It got, it definitely gets a little, little darker as time goes on. It was yeah. always very funny, but yeah. 
And uh, it seems like he was saying that Terry Winter was kind of the guy for a lot of that stuff. Like he was just really, yeah. the, it sounds like he was the go-to guy in general in the writing room. Yeah. Because um, David Chase said that he would basically always step up and uh, and just kind of, you know, take some of the slack from the other writers. And, and I like that. That's yeah, cool. that's cool. Yeah. So it sounds like he what was I kind of the, yeah, right. It sounds like he was sort of the lieutenant of the, uh, or the underboss of the writer's room. And it sounds like he was nice. responsible for like a lot of the, uh, the humor as well. And a lot of the violence, I, I, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have him to thank for some of the crazy shit that goes on this season. That's yes, for sure. we do, yeah. Um, but I also didn't know that uh, David Chase was a writer on the Rockford Files. Mm -hmm. Pussy, you know, Pussy mentions fucking Rockford over here yeah. in like one of the first episodes, maybe the first episode. Uh, it's the first or second, the Saturn one, right? Yeah, Saturn. Yeah. yeah. School teaches Saturn. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it was cool. I mean, I thought that David Chase was really funny, and the the extent to which he could keep a straight face when mm -hmm. like Matt Zoller Seitz would ask him something, he'd be like, "No, not really." Yeah, <laughs> He's, he, yeah, he doesn't mince words between brain and mouth. <laughs> there is no interlocutor. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, no, not at all. And um, yeah, those people get up, and it's kind of funny at those things because a lot of times, like those questions are two part questions and really the first part is a statement about the person asking the question and the, the second part is the question and a couple people or got not up, even a question or not even a question it's just basically i think this can you confirm or deny um but like a couple people got up from jersey one girl called it the jurors actually which is which is funny and uh and <laughs> well and now she's got it all over the internet yeah so there that's you go. you're welcome you know? <laughs> the, the nfc bump right there yeah, for your exactly. jurors joke yeah. Um, but yeah, he, uh, I liked when someone, one of them got up and was like, yeah, I feel like you really captured Jersey. And his response was good. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that was it. He didn't really have any, he didn't expand I on it at all. I forgot about that. That was really funny. Yeah. I mean, I think that they did it really well. And I think it, I, one thing that he said that was, it was like one of the final thoughts and I forgot, I forget exactly like how he worded it, but he just said like, he just basically said that Jersey is like a very, very interesting place to grow, like one mm. of the most interesting parts of the country. And like, I think it's easy to overlook that given all the like cliches and like Goomba yeah. stuff. Yeah. But he's not wrong. You no, know what I mean? All, yeah. And he managed to like really amplify that. Yeah. It's, it's like super diverse and there's a, I feel like there's a weird Jersey confidence that I'm kind of jealous of, you know, but I don't know what it is, but they're just like, no, I think you're right. And they're yeah. just like, why would you do it any other way? It's kind of like, yeah. a, almost like a new york confidence it is a little I think bit that yeah. we just don't have it because we're not from here yeah i uh yeah i have <laughs> the exact opposite or whatever that yeah, is yeah like like, fish out of water confidence yeah um <laughs> but also i mean we can't not mention this 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 dude who stepped up and fully mm -hmm. was like he i i mean I, the the tension in the room was so palpable i he was like too like sentences away from being like can you tell us about the ending yeah just please <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I did he like said everything about the ending but what he, he he kept saying like and I'm not asking for an interpretation and mm -hmm. this is not what I think and it doesn't matter but I think this is what happened yeah and, uh, blah, blah, blah. and, and he, it was well, he just, did end it with I don't know if you want to confirm that or dot 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 he like, said he, that yeah, oh my yeah. god I was like I it was it was like so supremely awkward and strange to me it was yeah i thought that david chase was going to get up and leave or something well i really liked that whoever and i i still don't know if this was an accident or not and uh, i love ambiguity so i'm cool with this but I, I don't know if the person controlling the lights 
accidentally turned the lights off at that moment, oh, yeah. or if it, I think I think it was on purpose. Oh but, yeah, the guy stood up. He said, yeah. I, have a, "I have I have I have a question about the ending." Yeah, and then all of the lights in the room just turned off immediately, yeah, and, and the got projection a huge screen, and the projection screen behind them with like David Chase's name. Yeah, that it all just went off immediately, and and that got a huge laugh, which was funny. Yeah, I wonder what the deal was with that. I have to imagine it was intentional, but like, but I would love to imagine that the lighting director like did that unprompted, like like whoever his boss was. Like, yeah, shut it like, down. What are you doing? <laughs> like he just like had the balls to be like, I'm going to do this like you know this finale joke Don't right ask here. Ask him about the finale. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's all it's weird. I'm sure that that's a question that like he's totally sick of hearing, and I was kind of hoping no one would ask about that you know he did a really good job of not saying anything about it he did well of course you know like i uh uh posted something or someone posted a, like a transcript of that and i just like because we were there commented on it on reddit and uh -huh. it was just kind of like i don't think people realize in in text how lighthearted his his comments were about it like he yeah. kind of laughed about it he did get a little misty-eyed um but he, he did but he like totally took it in another direction and, and talked about what it was like to make it and how like he's glad that mm -hmm. this guy gave a shit about it that was like essentially his response well right? his, his response was like well if you like it then you're right which also got a big laugh but then he did mention he just said that the oh, ending, that was funny right yeah, and he, i can imagine if you're reading that in a transcript you don't get it yeah and then but he also just went on to say that you know like yeah that when i watch that i get really sad still and he said not because it's the end not because of what's in it mm. but because of like just the overall feeling of that scene. Yeah, yeah. Not be, it, not because Tony dies at the end. Or well, something right. Like but I think in text and 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 I think you know it's it's okay if you do interpret it that way. But it's uh, okay to cry. Yeah, it's okay to cry. But yeah, I've I've already been called like an idiot, and like, <laughs> someone made a Reddit account that day to tell me how wrong I was, and I was like, okay, here we go. Um, but, uh, but you know, I <laughs> did, don't know. Did you really go and look and figure out how old the Reddit well, account was? Of the dude I just wanted to see down. what else they had possibly might have commented about. And it was just like Redditor for 22 minutes or something like that. <laughs> I was like, oh, they made an account to, to tell me I was wrong, which is really funny. But, uh, you know, dick. I don't know. If you do interpret the ending that way, I think that's fine. We'll obviously have a lot to say about it next you, year. I, I, I think my main thing is uh, next year, if we're lucky. Yeah. I think that my main thing with the ending is if you interpret it, on that heart of a line yeah then you're just wrong that's my thing too you know? yeah and like I, think, I don't think anyone can like come at me with facts about the fucking ending you know right. that's like the whole point is that it's ambiguous it's not like yeah it's not uh you know the, the sopranos was never the wire everything is right. not on screen you know what i mean and right like there's a lot of room for interpretation and a lot of things that that um are nothing and a lot of things that yeah. are everything you know yeah i, I mean i i agree yeah it's it's really like the older if, i get <laughs> the, uh, but yeah i mean really yeah it's it's the hard line that i guess i sort of have a problem with that yeah, like it's I like no you agree. are wrong if you don't think this and i think like let I, me break it down yeah. i've watched sopranos once yeah. last year <laughs> and i read an essay and i read an essay yeah. i i just think that like I mean, he even spoke that night about how much he likes ambiguity and, and they asked about the Ojibwe saying and, and Matt Seitz asked like, well, who put that there? And he, he David Chase just li literally didn't have an answer. And he was yeah. like, I don't I don't really know. And I don't even know what it means to me. And I'm kind of OK with that. And and I, I and I think, you know, when that guy spoke about the ending, as much as it was a joke, like I think he I think it's right that when when he said, like, well, if you like it, you're right. And everyone laughed. I think that's actually kind of the way to look at that it. That says it all. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's like, like, did you get something from it? Great. Yeah. And it seems like it's it's almost like a it's an abstract thing. I mean, it's ambiguous, but I think it's also abstract mm -hmm. artistically in the sense that you're just meant to experience it, and mm -hmm. it and it gives you that emotional thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he wrote about that, like in that DJ article 
from last year when he broke it down. He said one of the things he was really going for was just creating tension and just kind of playing with that in the edit. And, and it worked really well. Yeah, I and, mean, and yeah. then we went and got pizza afterwards. And, <laughs> and the fucking song oh, right. came on. Yes, yeah. We were in a pizza parlor and Don't Stop Believing, the techno version started playing. Oh, the worst version. Yeah. And it came on and we were both like, what the fuck? This is so <laughs> weird. And then it was like this weird, cursed, horrible version. Yeah, yeah. And then we got shot and died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it and all we're just being very black. straightforward about that. Do you want to interpret that ending? <laughs> Someone didn't like the podcast. Yeah, probably not. Like, you guys aren't going to do an episode today? Yeah, I know. Come on. Um, but yeah, very cool overall. Uh, and like I said, I posted like a little write up on Reddit if you want to read some of the things from that night that when my memory wasn't so faded. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now that it's been a couple days. But it was really cool. And I think that it, I think that it mostly just revealed some stuff about the process. Yeah. He was very candid about a lot of things. Yeah. He always he's always kind of been like that mm-hmm. when some people will kind of go, you know, over interpret his work. And he's kind of like, no, we just need to get that shot that day. Like he's a very practical producer. Well, that's you know? the thing is that it seems like as much much as as much as the sopranos is super thought out mm-hmm. conceptually and in terms of the plot and the character development and stuff yeah. it's like a very highly advanced show in that way there was also just a lot of like you know like well we didn't have time to rewrite it so that's yeah. how it turned out you yep. know what i mean and it just happened to be good but like that kind of stuff i guess just never changes you know like no yeah. matter how good they get um, yeah. at making TV shows. Yeah, I mean, because it's a giant factory assembly line, and once it starts moving, you kind of can't. Yeah. It's funny, he told that story about the HBO read-through, like the first time the execs came and heard the cast read the script. And he said it was like total shit, right? Yeah, he was like, it's, it was horrible. It went so wrong, but there, it was too late. The factory was already moving, you know, the mm-hmm. assembly line was already moving, and and they were like five days away from shooting or something like that. And HBO which sounds like a, Which sounds like a lot to me, just a civilian, but I guess five days before shooting, like, sets are built. And yeah, like, oh yeah clothing is yeah picked out yeah i mean locations are paid for they probably chosen actors by then uh yeah probably <laughs> probably <laughs> i would imagine that they've casted the show yeah <laughs> but yeah he also said that the casting was like you know they were like how did you find these actors and mm-hmm. he was like just like casting regular casting yeah, yeah they didn't like i mean there's so much stuff that went so well in that show and i think it just comes down to having good judgment and like mm-hmm. using the process because he didn't like have his eye on james gandolfini like they didn't like he didn't see him. He said he he said he remembered him from uh us- was it Usual Suspects that he remembered him from uh, True Romance maybe he was in that. He remember True Romance? He said that he James Gandolfini was in Usual Suspects though, right? I don't think he was in. No, I think it's True. Get true Shorty. Rom- get, oh, Shorty. get Shorty. That's what it he is, was yeah. saying. He was like, I think I remembered him in Get Shorty, but maybe I didn't. Yeah. And I was just like, oh shit! Like he really didn't know who this dude was. Yeah. And, like yeah. he came in and he got it. And what what, what was one of the things that. That Matt Zoller Zeitz mentioned that uh, he was like, was there ever thought t- talk about like getting James Caan or, or whatever, like getting some big name to to play it? And mm-hmm. he said they sort of avoided that, right? Yeah. I mean, I forget why. Oh, Ray Liotta they were talking about. Ray Liotta they were talking about. Anthony LaPaglia or LaPaglia. Um, Who's that? He's on... Uh, He's on a CBS show now. You'd recognize him. He was. Mm. He's on like it's like the Mentalist or or not the Mentalist, but it's like uh, some crime show. You would recognize yeah. him if you saw him. Uh, it would be very strange if you play Tony though. Uh, well, that's the thing. It's like it would be very strange. I mean, for all the shitting, that was one of the things that we found out about. Like, actually, one of my favorite anecdotes was how he was saying that that network executives have this amazing way of like finding the thing that makes the show the yeah. most special and just trying to 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 cut it out. Yeah. So like. He was talking to the Fox executive who was like, you know, I, re- I like the idea. I like it. 
Does he have to be in therapy yeah, though? And, and and David Chase is just like, well, that's it for me, folks. Yeah, like, the, the thing that made the show. Yeah. yeah, they were just like, let's get rid of that. Yeah, and yeah. I, I just love that the whole concept for the show came from him, just like having this inkling in his brain over like a couple of decades. Yeah, like, wise guy in therapy. That's, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. Yeah, and it grew like this whole lush thing grew out of this bit. You know what I mean? It's right. just like it's basically an idea for a sketch, essentially. You know? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Unbelievable. Which uh, no one was into, and uh, uh, and yeah, then it's funny that then The Sopranos and Analyze This both come out around the same time, and suddenly that is a very good idea to people. And I know, and I love and, that The Sopranos uh, done, reference Analyze This. I know, That's it's pretty great. Thing. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's really interesting, though. He remembers things like that, but is at the same time a weirdly forgetful guy. There was things that he would say at the beginning of the, at the event where he... he He's talking about just working in TV in general and was just kind of saying like, you know, I'm pretty sure things have changed since I got out of working in TV or things have changed in TV nowadays. And then someone way later in the event brings up like, I know you said earlier that TV has changed. And he's just like, I said that. I said like, that. I did. completely forgot that he said that. Well, and he mentioned which a, is, the, he mentioned the movie that he wrote, the, the 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 movie of the week that he wrote. Yeah. A couple of times. And it was like it was almost like talking to my grandfather. He's like, you know, I wrote a movie about a hooker in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. He brought it up a few times and everyone was like, yeah, we know. And he, she, she went to New York and then had to come back. Right. right? Yeah. He's like, yeah, actually, that's, yeah, the, that's one. the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know. It's just funny, and uh, it, in, in a weird way, it can be like almost maddening us, because especially for people who are looking for those answers from him, you know, because he just constantly seems to contradict himself. It's very much like the characters on the show who say, you know, like AJ being he's like, a, "I want to be an event planner." He's a and fucking forgetting person. It. Some of it yeah. reminded me. You ever see that? Um, there's a great interview with Bob Dylan where he does like a press conference or like a meet and greet or something, like yeah. right after um, Highway 61 came out. Mm -hmm. And this dude is like, because people were like trying to read into Bob Dylan so heavy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like so, David Chase was probably one of them, actually. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But like, but it, it, some of the some of the questions that David Chase got, I was like, it was kind of bordering on that. Where there's this dude uh, in this Bob Dylan press conference who's like grilling him about the fact that he, on the album cover he's wearing a Triumph motorcycle mm -hmm. uh, T-shirt. Uh, yeah, okay. And he's like, and he's like. And he has all these theories about like what it means mm. and like blah, blah, blah. And and Bob Dylan goes, oh, I don't know. I was just sitting. I was like sitting on the porch having a cigarette. And like she took my picture. Yeah, like, that's and that became the album cover or something like that. Yeah. And he goes. And he goes, I didn't really I didn't really think that much about it. And the guy, the guy asking the question literally goes, well, I thought a great deal about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I God. was just like, I felt a little bit like that where it's like. You know, like obviously David Chase is like totally brilliant and like a master and he created this thing and, yeah. and built this world. He relied on a lot of amazing people. Yeah. But he, you know, he built this amazing world. Um, he deserves a lot of credit. But at the same time, he is just a fucking guy. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And it was like there was a lot of right place, right time action mm -hmm. and a lot of good coincidences mm -hmm. and like all that shit. You yeah. Know what I mean, time. I mean, any any hit TV show, movie or probably even like album is like some combination of that, like you know super talent hard work but then yeah it is yeah. i think he even said that night it was kind of like lightning in a bottle and that um well, wait, Brad like, Gray, it like barely even got made yeah they yeah. like decided to hbo was like actually we're down with original programming let's green light yeah this fucker, they just know? happened to be looking for dramas at the right they were looking to get more into drama i think he said after you know because oz was oz was like a decent success and i think got a lot of critical attention yeah 
Um, and that was definitely the Oz was definitely the first time I heard about HBO, HBO series. Yeah, like you should check out this show. Yeah, of course I was like fucking eight. <laughs> I shouldn't have checked it out. Yeah, there's prison rape. Yeah, but, uh... I, but I was like, I was like, but people were like, you should watch this show, and I was like, well, what channel is it on? They were like HBO. And yeah, I was like, that's when I knew my parents were cheap. <laughs> that's how I found out <laughs> that life lesson. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he he said that Brad Gray, who was one of the executive producers, mm-hmm. um basically told him like you know enjoy this it's never going to happen again and it's probably true like as, as talented as david chase is and as, as incredible of a writer that he is right you probably it's very hard to get one successful show made let alone two you know well he Unless also chuck Lorre, one of the greatest tv writers of all time <laughs> <laughs> he also says that he doesn't really want to yeah yeah because writing a show like that and heading it up can't like it can't be easy and it's, it's a gotta, ton of work it's yeah so long and also like he, he was doing it while he's older now yeah he was doing it while his daughter was like in high school it seems like yeah or yeah roughly seen. yeah so it's like that that sounds kind of brutal i mean i would be like if, if i had done the sopranos i'd be like all right so i'm gonna do a 10 episode mini series about yeah. about Chernobyl, you know, <laughs> that's all you're going to get from me. Like, uh, yeah. here's, well, the, I think, here's the script. See you later. <laughs> you know? Bye. I think that uh, I think that he is his next thing is a miniseries, right? He was talking well, about that's what he was mentioning. He was like he's like only doing movies and miniseries because yeah. he said that, like, if you're lucky with a TV show, meaning if if it gets picked up and it's successful, you're fucking in for it. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's insane. I mean, it really is. It's like, you, you know, each day longer than than the the one before it. And yeah. and especially when you're a showrunner. I mean, I always it's, I funnily think about his uh, or I think about his Tony speech at the end of season five, the all due respect speech. You know, you get no idea what it's like to be number one. Yeah. Like that probably is what a showrunner feels like. Every literally every decision does come down to you. And there's yeah. stories about David Chase walking into set and seeing that I don't I don't know what character it was but he walked into some character's house and there was like a hat collection by the front door and he just lost it he was just like this character would never have a hat collection right there or something similar like prop wise or something way in the yeah, background Polly's collection of baseball caps yeah, of yeah, course right? um, so you know I mean those decisions even come down to you as well you know Dude, I mean you I'm delegate sure. the work and people come basically you're just approving things all day long but no you know? one it, no one can be as in the zone as that one person Yeah, you know what I mean and yeah. so like it's 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 really impossible for other people to I mean if you just think of any simple chain of command it's really hard to to share that mind space with someone like yeah. even if it was like a Terry Winter or like the directors or people like that mm-hmm. you know I mean it really it can only be one's one person's job to mm-hmm. see it that vividly because otherwise it's like it, it becomes really I, I I feel like it starts to be cut with like other things and maybe won't be as potent you know yeah what I, mean? I, I mean I agree yeah and and he even brought that up with um the writing team Robin Green and Mitchell Burgess who yeah. wrote on the show for I think up until season four or five. And they've gone on to do like insane shit. I've seen their names like everywhere, right? Yeah, I mean, they're, and they've just been like, you know, been working in the industry for years and years and uh, worked with him, worked with David Chase on other shows too on Northern Exposure. But um, he just said that, yeah, there was, there was something about the mob speak and like the mob mindset that they had a lot of trouble understanding. You know, this, this just idea that basically when you're a mob guy, you're sitting around like just scheming all day, like, Where's my next? Where's the next envelope of money coming from? Who am I gonna fuck next? How can we get money out of this? Yeah, basically, and that's all they do. Yeah, and he mentioned that you know, on and at least in the way he saw life on the show, like black is white, you know, white is black, like it's you know, there's a deception happening. Yeah, everything is kind of double speak and 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 backwards and and just you know, any every 
line is covering up for something else. And they just couldn't get that, I guess, for some reason. Yeah, which is a hard thing to get into. I mean, I, I can, as much as I can be like, yeah, no, I get it from watching the show a lot. Yeah. Like, it's a totally different thing creating those stories and right. things like that. Like, I don't know if I would be able to get my get my brain in there yeah it's probably tough but yeah. um but he did he, he did say they were great writers but yeah and then he did mention that terry winter and and matt weiner were, were really the guys they got it matt weiner was clearly like the heir apparent you know yeah like yeah as far as being being younger i mean i feel like matt weiner got mad lucky like being as young as he was and being thrown into the mix mm-hmm on something like The Sopranos. Yeah. Um, and then Terry Winter is like, he's gone on to make like every show on TV since then. <laughs> and well, we have vinyl. He left vinyl though. I'm pretty sure they he left vinyl. I think so. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he just wanted to like get it off the ground and then he's I, like passing it off. Yeah. I'm, I'm not really, I never really followed up. I haven't seen the show, so I didn't want to spoil too much for myself, but I think there were some creative differences there and he decided to leave or they got rid of him or something. Oh shit. Yeah. You think he and uh, Mick Jagger had it out? <laughs> I don't know. Like that? I have no idea, but, um, um, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, that was uh, pretty. That's pretty recent, I think. And I could be getting that wrong. We'll have the NFC fact checkers. Uh, yeah, yeah. Add that to their list of things. Get on that when we finally hire them. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Matt Weiner, I guess, was kind of the heir apparent, and you can totally see, you know, the Sopranos fabric in in the Mad Men. Right. Sure. Well, and, and 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 David Chase was saying that like one of the things that he's been most impressed with on TV is Mad Men. Yeah. Not Breaking Bad. Yeah. He said he was jealous of the Mad Men. Yeah. And uh, which is good. That's yeah. that's nice. He was like, I know something's good when I'm jealous of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I know the feeling too. Yeah. yeah totally. Like, Fuck. They they got it somehow. And it's, yeah. It's, yeah. And he's he fully said he was like, I couldn't have done that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And it's like yeah. maybe you could have, but like, the point is that um, I mean. We almost got stuck in a Breaking Bad K-hole in that conversation, mm. which I was not going to be super into. Oh, they did talk about, yeah, how the Breaking Bad writers would apparently just challenge themselves to write themselves into a corner that they couldn't write themselves out of just to see right. if they could do it. Yeah, yeah, like the machine like the machine gun in the final season of yeah. Breaking Bad. They were like, they were, like we're going to write this in, and then we have to figure out why he has it, which right. I think sounds... Ex- like exactly what I had imagined, basically. Yeah, I guess because so. that that I mean, I, I I loved Breaking Bad once through. Yeah, but after a while, for me, it sort of turned into a series of impossible situations that he magically got out of. You know, it yeah. turned into a MacGyver for me. Yeah, that, it I mean? has more of a comic book kind of style in a weird way. Yeah, and, but it was always yeah. just like, what what's going to be the answer to the situation? Oh, he's smart and he knows how to do something that you've never heard of. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? And I'm just like, all right, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it, it, it always lacked. Well, I can put this in a positive light. One thing I always loved about The Sopranos and how the problems were solved is that it either came down to tragedy or someone being super clever or something totally random. Right. And usually a combination of the three. Yeah. It's never like, I mean, and I don't mean that it was just like everything was unexpected because that's also easy to do in some ways. <laughs> right. But, uh, but you know, anyways, not to go down a Breaking Bad K-hole. Yeah, yeah, no. But it was interesting to hear like his writing style versus theirs because it sounds like, you know, I think that he was able to kind of move on his feet if something came up and they needed to scramble. Right, um, right. Uh, but for the most part, it was like pretty planned out or at least as time went on because I, I remember hearing and this, this might be in the Sopranos book that HBO put out around mm-hmm. the time the show ended that season one was kind of more like he just kind of randomly was like, all right, episode four, Tony becomes boss. Episode eight, there's indictments. Episode here, 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 like this, this, yeah. random, and like he kind of, he kind of just like randomly dropped the big events of this outline that he had and then right. filled everything else in. 
But as time went on, he just, it was like, it sounds like it was very planned out and just got more and more expansive. And well, it sounds like I, from what he said, it was like, it was still similar to that, but yeah. he they were working with all these subplots. So like yeah. the first season, he said there was basically like one plot line. Right. And then as time went on, which we've talked about, because once you like build the, once you build the world, you can kind of go wild on yeah. the inside of it. And that's like kind of what's cool about the Sopranos is that it's very exploratory and that's what's cool about rewatching it is that it, it's such a vivid world you can pick things up that you ne- that were always there mm-hmm. that you never saw before mm-hmm. but um yeah but he was saying that like as time went on you'd have like all of these plots moving I- I- at these different paces and yeah. so forth these yeah. subplots and that sounds really hard yeah, yeah, it does. That's why you, <laughs> you got to bring a team of people in to help you out. <laughs> I got to be a really good TV writer. Yeah. Um, so the last thing, I guess, before we take a little break and we'll come back and talk about University, the episode, um, mm-hmm. I just thought the, the most interesting thing that I'd never heard him talk about before was the Pine Barrens thing where he said that really like one of the biggest reasons that the Russian never came back was actually a practical one is in that they just didn't have... There was there's no, you know, life like resemble or no, there was no research really on a Russian Italian mob war because it just oh, hasn't really that. happened in person. Yeah. So it would kind of be based on not really a lot of anything and, and just wasn't something that generally happens, you know. Yeah. And so it was more of a practical one. They just they it just there was there was nothing to go off of research wise to help them write that story. Well, and they, yeah. And they didn't want to go down that road and open that can of worms because yeah. if, if if the Russians and the Italians were going at it, it would be a big fucking de- deal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but the other thing that was cool that he mentioned was that he had, um, he had a, a cop right. on the payroll. Right, something, right? Yeah. yeah, it was like a guy who, or a guy from the FBI or something who used yeah, to do organized Manhattan. crime. Might have been the Manhattan's DA, DA's office. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, a DA, was but that. he, but they'd call him up and they'd be like, hey, so we're thinking about this. And the guy would be like, yeah, totally. Well, here's what would happen with that. Right. And like, they had, I mean, because one of the things that the show has been praised for by actual criminals <laughs> from what i understand <laughs> yeah is that uh it's very realistic yeah you know? like that that the don doesn't wear shorts line right came out of a criticism that an actual wise guy apparently had i guess so yeah he said it to james gandolfini like in a restaurant or something right like that. Yeah. and they were yeah. like shit and then they totally used the line which is great yeah so uh all right so one more thing actually speaking to james gandolfini the masturbation thing that david chase brought Holy up shit i've thought about that all week yeah like how I, first of all, so, okay, so David Chase was saying that James Gandolfini was just, like, really cooperative and, like, down for whatever. At, at the end. I guess he would kick and scream his way there, but yeah, ultimately yeah, sure. do whatever they asked. Yeah. But they said that he shot a, they said they shot a masturbation scene yeah. that was, like, obviously was very vulnerable right. for James Gandolfini, and they didn't end up using it. Yeah. And James Gandolfini didn't, like, come back and be like, what the fuck? Why right, did you right, do that right. to me? But what I thought was peculiar was like that David Chase was like, well, he wasn't really masturbating. Well, I don't think he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like he didn't seem to know whether or not James Gandolfini was really cranking it in this scene. <laughs> I mean, well, like, and I'm trying to imagine how they shot it where that is actually ambiguous. I mean, it's entirely possible. Sometimes with nude scenes and sex scenes, it's a close set. Like the only the most important people are there. Yeah, sure. And I guess it's even possible that they set up a camera that's like from the waist up go to another room and watch it from a monitor and just say action James and then he either does or uh, you know I don't know I mean his blowjob face is really good we get a few yeah. of those <laughs> so I mean I've always been really impressed with that yeah and I'm, I'm just so curious to, as to where that scene fits in though I you know it's I, I think it's it might be in Italy after he doesn't uh, have sex with Annalisa Annalisa it might be after he doesn't have sex with uh, Adriana yes yep definitely he's on all that blow 
Yes, possibly. Maybe Juliana. Maybe for, Juliana. Uh, right, Juliana is a character's name as well as the actress. Yes, it is. Yeah, Juliana. Yeah, or it's or it's the test dream or something like that. Or uh, thinking about Charmaine or something. He could have been. He could have been cranking it in a dream. Yeah. Or during a dream. Yeah. Yeah, maybe something like that. All right. Anyway, well, <laughs> write, write okay. in. Let us know where yeah. you think they might have had Tony masturbating. masturbating yeah. Uh, all right. We'll be back to just we're going to blow through university today. And just like this all done. Just like Noah blew through oh, Meadow. No, oh, no. Oh, damn. Uh, but yeah, that was our that was our Sunday evening with David Chase. And it was a good one. And uh, we'll be right back to talk about the actual episode in a moment. So crack the Cabernet. <laughs> No Fucking ZD is brought to you by Noah Tannenbaum. All right. You know why I chose that song? Why? Because at NFZ... We TCB. <laughs> yeah, we do. In, <laughs> on our own time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in our own When schedule. we're good and ready, basically, we, yeah, we exactly. TCB. My dad used to have a shirt that said, on time is when I get there. And that's <laughs> our motto here at No Fucking ZD. <laughs> that's really good. That's really good. Yeah. We should get some of those. We should. Yeah. Uh, all right. Welcome back to, uh, this is like episode 33, I 30. think, something like that. 32. I don't know. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll do the actual episode discussion here. It's 32. All right. I cool. just confirmed with the NFZ Showrunner, <laughs> which is me. Yes. Um, so this week we're going to talk about university, another uh, sort of infamous-ish episode, I guess. Possibly. Yeah, and actually, I, I think it's infamous not for the being like arguably the most violent blah 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 blah, blah mm. ep- episode ever. With, right. Like <laughs> maybe the most upsetting moment. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like they really just they really like laid it on thick this season. Yeah, but I think what most people remember this episode for, <laughs> Meadow Soprano. <laughs> yeah, uh, join in the Mile High Club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, she has sex in an airplane. Uh, yeah, Meadow loses her virginity in this episode. So does to- Noah Tenenbaum. I've looked at that face a lot. You think it's definitely his first time. He's a little older, though, right? Like, I feel yeah, like. But have you heard the way he talks to people? Like, I don't know, but I feel like a liberal arts student. You know, like he's, he's the RA. How many, how many, how many girl? Maybe it's his first woman. <laughs> mm, maybe. <laughs> I feel like he just has probably preyed on a couple freshman girls in the past. But yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, Meadow's definitely a freshman girl. Yes, yeah, she is. Yeah. Um, so I, did, I, I don't know. I can't tell if, if it's uh That it's look his on his face is definitely a. Uh, Definitely a oh shit! This is what everybody's been talking about moment, mm-hmm. which is really what it's like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. <laughs> uh, I watch American Pie the trilogy quite a bit, and sex looks awesome. Crossing your fingers. <laughs> this is the year. Yeah, thirty. So w- one of these days, <laughs> I'm gonna fuck an apple pie. Um, yeah. So Meadow loses her her V card, as we used to say. It's actually quite well done. It's okay. extremely well shot. And I have here's to say. here's why. First of all, it's not gratuitous. Mm-hmm. It's not even that hot. No, not it's at mostly all. weird. Yeah, you know. Yeah, the really sheepish. Do you have a condom? Mm-hmm. You know, like, which is a classic hot 
<laughs> you know, dirty talk. That's how you, that's how you initiate. Yeah, exactly. All the young people out there just go, actually, walk up to everyone at a bar that you're at and just say, "You have a condom." <laughs> actually, that is that that that's how it happened with me. Someone said, right. "Well, there you go, perfect." Do you have a condom? I said, "Yeah," and then she goes, "Do you want to just go for it?" <laughs> I think I'm lying. Oh yeah, last weekend sounds like a great time. Um, uh, yeah, so it is, but it's very, very well shot, and it is awkward. Uh, and, and I like that there's those long silences, and you're just, it's, it's weird to watch. Yeah, but it's extremely, extremely well done. It's weird to watch, yeah. and it's well done, and yeah. it's like there's a lot of sex in this episode, mm-hmm. most of which is not very like exciting or titillating to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, um, it's uh, or either kind of weirdly uh, <laughs> violence and... Uh, yeah, it's either abusive or yeah. whatever Noah's doing to Meadow. Sure, yeah. <laughs> He's trying to figure it out. Just, yeah. Um, <laughs> Oop, that's my butt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right, well, let's... <laughs> let's back up a little bit here, I guess. So it's we have Meadow's storyline here with Noah and yeah. kind of about uh, really the end of their relationship. And also uh, we have the story of Ralphie and and his girlfriend and uh the beginning of something new for them in this beautiful relationship that's gonna last a lifetime oh boy yeah uh and dark yeah yeah um so and there's the comparisons between the two of them and then also meadow's roommate caitlin (laughs) sorry i can't stop thinking about noah tenenbaum (laughs) that guy's fucking face oh man i wish he could just stick around or like come maybe he's the members only guy yeah (laughs) no he comes back and kills tony in the last episode his dad oh my god yeah yeah and and that's that's the other the thematic thing we have going on here is is parents and and parenting which has been going on all season long uh but uh yeah we meet noah's douchebag dad and kind of see where uh, someone like Noah comes from. Wait, you don't you don't order the ninety four without even looking at the wine list at a restaurant that you go to. I know, so fucking pretentious. Uh, and, uh, I'm sorry, you were doing your synopsis. Yeah, well, I think that's it. And uh, <laughs> well, there are parallels between. I mean, it's it, it's it's not rocket science here. We have a mm-hmm. lot of cuts mm-hmm. between these young ladies. Very direct cuts. Yeah, very direct cuts between Meadow and Tracy mm-hmm. and Tracy and Caitlin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's mostly it yeah uh yeah and then there's like there's some on the male side there's some of that too like right. ralphie laughing at tracing being beat up to all the guys laughing with their wives you know there's that's right so they yeah, connect yeah, yeah. To, the, to the wives a little bit too and just like the general way that these mob guys treat women in their lives you i think know? it's general yeah exactly it's it i think that it's just supposed to show the <laughs> i think it's just supposed <laughs> I have a dog just uh, presenting herself. To me right now. <laughs> she's trying to get you out of here. Yeah, she's trying to kick me off the couch. Um, I think that I think that a lot of what we're dealing with here is talk is like the hypocrisy of their world. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because Tony has this really, um, you know, he really cares for his children and mm-hmm. his daughter, and he wants sort of a traditional type of like, uh, you know, that this like 1952 or whatever. Mm-hmm upbringing for her where she's like you know she finds a husband and mm-hmm. like blah 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 and she's like going to college and they want her to be like kind of the goody two shoes yeah to fulfill the role basically you know, right that he and, expects and yet the way and the yet the way that he treats women that are not just any women women that are specifically his daughter's age mm-hmm. that are like really having a rough go of it yeah and so forth um he's a little bit paternal with tracy He's yeah. he's he hesitates. He's not really that into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's got the whole mafia stigma surrounding that. So I think that part of him really wants to. Mm-hmm. 
but he can't because of all all of the rules. Because I, as we see, like especially with the scene uh, where Syl busts in on Ralphie and Tracy, yeah, and the the like the the conversation ender is that Tracy owes Syl money, exactly, and that, that and that supersedes like any that's it affairs yeah. of the heart, exactly, as it were. Yeah, I mean, she's it's 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 the story of of you know them treating this young girl basically as a commodity, really. Yeah. you know, like. Uh, next season there'll be the kind of comparisons to Pile My the horse, and it's and they call her a thoroughbred here, and mm -hmm. and it's weird to say, but that really is kind of how they view her. It's just uh, like you know this uh, this you know this horse in their stable well, in a way. She's or like this, Ralphie's this... weird slam piece. I mean, we know that he's not yeah. capable of feelings for anybody, basically. Yeah, he's yeah. A, we learned he's a total psycho. Yeah, up to this point, we you could tell he was like a. a a snake a little bit, you know, snake in the grass. Snake was, in the grass. But uh but this is just full out just, you know, uh yeah. antisocial behavior basically. And that is an understatement. Um yeah, I mean to back up here just a little bit, I mean, you know, the episode starts with Tracy coming to Tony and trying to have some kind of paternal relationship with him. And he quickly informs us that not only is she she's a dancer at the Bing for one, so there can't mm -hmm. be a relationship between them, but also yeah, she's dating Ralphie. Yeah. Ralphie eventually gets her pregnant, and uh, do we know that though? That's up for debate a little I bit. I guess he mentions she gets pregnant. Yeah. She mentions or he mentions to Johnny Sack in the next episode. I think. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's the two episodes. Yeah, two episodes. Yeah. Where? Oh, right, two episodes. That's correct. Yeah. Um, that. Uh, God, God, I love me some Sack. <laughs> um, he mentions, you know, that 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 she wasn't carrying his child. I don't know if I believe that, but it's, it's an interesting say. thing to say. Maybe I, I we can get to that when we get to it. Yeah. But I think that he might have had a vasectomy or something like that. Well, also, you know, there's some contradictions here about Ralphie's, you know, bio a little bit because we when he dates Janice he's in season his card. four, yeah, <laughs> when he dates Janice in season four, she basically says he's like, or no, Valentina, I think, says that he's basically not capable of getting it up. I guess unless there's some weird domination going on there and so he has he's he's a freak in the sheets let's he's, say that. he's a freak in the sheets yeah he's and, a lady on the street and a but, psycho in the street yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess basically yeah. Lady, yeah uh so i don't know uh well, maybe that's how he knows that he didn't get tracy i guess right he's, he's definitely banging her in that scene w with the cop after she got her braces and the cops like wash the teeth you know but maybe so maybe maybe it just takes some kind of abuse and weird thing for him yeah to maybe it has to be a generally like horrifying situation yeah with someone yeah. crying or something yeah, like probably, that probably yeah that that shit that scene that moment is so fucking crazy with the cop with the cop I know, yeah sad. it's yeah. just like and and I, I I mean it's not really that thinly veiled. It's like oh, all of your authority figures will fail you. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's Pretty like much, yeah. it's there's a lot of commentary about parents. There's a lot of commentary here about about uh, governing bodies, shall we say? Mm -hmm. You know, this so-called yeah, authoritarian, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, the On enforcers, the, the people too, yeah. who are supposed to protect each other. Right, right, right. Uh, True. They they you know some people get trampled under under hoof, mm -hmm. as it were. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, obviously, this girl has like a really tough background. We find out she had an abusive mother. Yeah, she was in turn abusive with her kid. Yeah, and she just, but she, she's just clearly someone who has had nothing to go off of, no foothold, right? No, yeah. nothing, right? You yeah. know, yeah. Um, and she's the only reason she's in this situation is because she's hot, you know. Yeah, and uh, and she's just being taken advantage of. Yeah, by. Yeah, by basically everybody, and, and she has doesn't gone along she, with she, it, and doesn't, doesn't know any better. Yeah, yeah she, she doesn't see it. She's 
probably just hasn't really been loved. Um, yeah, probably beyond her abusive mother. I don't think there's really even mention of a father. And, and no, of uh, course not. And and there's also you know speaking of that kind of a lot about men and what being masculine kind of means in this episode. Like there's the uh, you know. Um, <gasps> Ralphie. Oh, maybe that's why she starts yelling at him. You feel like a man because he didn't like he didn't bang her on the regular. She just maybe, wanted him yeah. to like burn her. Wanted her to burn him with cigarette butts or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. But it's, I mean, it's that really. And then in the bang before that, uh, you know, she kind of calls his masculinity into question a little bit in front of the guys, which is like ultimately what kind of sets him off. I think you know, he goes out like looking for revenge for that. She's, that's a big no, no. She makes. Yeah, exactly. And so then she's a lot tougher about, than he expects. And exactly. And, there, and there, that's really what sets him off. And, and there's uh, I'm forgetting now who says it, but someone makes a, makes the joke. I think it's Rosalie makes the joke about men having the attention span of like an adolescent boy, basically children. Yeah. And, you know, classic Rosalie moment yeah. oversimplifying <laughs> the world. Basically. Yeah, I guess so. But weirdly wise, I think it's her. I'm not, I, I forget now. No, um, it is her. It's and I'm not going to look at my notes. But uh, it's men have the attendance span of children. Yeah. And then Ralphie goes, "Sorry, what did you say?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. And which and, is really good dinner party wit. It's uh, kind of great. scary that he's able to like navigate that chameleon you know? like that. Yeah. But he, uh, you know, when he hits Georgie with the with the lock and the chain, good lord, his his response is like, "Why are you being such a crybaby? Come on, we're just fucking around." Like he becomes a little boy again, and it's like almost like they all sort of have this arrested development where they're, you know. They're they're men, kind of, but they're really just little boys. And if you call that into question, then you're in a lot of trouble, basically. And I think that's really kind of what, like, it's really that that sets him off in that particular scene, aside from also being, yeah, there's like a totally fucking crazy person. Yeah. Well, and, I, I, I'm going to go way out on a limb here, like right off the bat, mm. because, I mean, let's let's be honest. We've seen him beat people up before. He went really hard on that Israeli guy or yeah. whatever when with he takes plane. Jackie in there. Yeah, with a yeah. little, little plane. <laughs> um, uh, but... He uh, in the bread basket, um, but he uh, so he goes hard on that dude, but he doesn't kill him, mm -hmm. you know, and that dude called him a wop, which mm -hmm. apparently is a bad word. Um, but uh, <laughs> and he uses that as the excuse. But I think that I'm, I'm going to I'm going to start with a theory yeah. here, you know, a little yeah. nugget for all our NFZ listeners who have waited so patient, patiently, sure. patiently we'll and patiently. All right. OK. We'll um, and I'm going to say that. Knowing what we know from the future about Ralphie's sexual proclivities, mm -hmm. um, I think that he was probably having mad, unconventional sex with Tracy, mm -hmm. and it was probably like a little too real for her. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, who knows? Maybe they had regular sex like once in a while, but I think that that's how uh, he, why he. Th thinks that the child that she's carrying wasn't his. Mm -hmm. um, it's possible. And that's a secret. And I also think that that's why he kills her because, you know, he, he comes in to this party where all this shit goes down. Well, it's actually the first the first of the yeah. two blowjob parties. Yeah, yeah. The blowjob <laughs> later on parties. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he comes in charged up on the coke and stuff like that, which, let's face it, that doesn't help much either. Yeah. No, um, yeah. And so... I think that he, you know, he calls he calls Georgie a pussy boy and all this stuff. And I think that he's got this, you know, as we find out from Janice later on, he bottoms from the top mm -hmm. and, and so forth, um, <laughs> which I love. She she breaks it down so well, yeah. you know, but I think that I think that that's what all of this stuff with Tracy was about. I think that when she brings that up in front of uh, these dudes, 
they all think like, oh, she's just breaking his balls. But he probably knows that he likes to, you know, oh, have yeah. his butthole played with and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. And he's like, whoa, you guys can't know that. Yeah, I'm sure it struck a huge nerve. And yeah, yeah. for sure. And but even that, that, that. That's my theory is that this all has to do with his dildo fantasies. It, I mean, Dr. Melfi might tell you that you're right. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm sure I'm sure that it does to some extent because that obviously like that kind of sexual uh, proclivity is certainly looked at as I mean eating a girl out is looked at as gay in the mafia totally if you're gonna do stuff with your own butt yeah <laughs> like that's just and not like, have penis contact yeah, with her Volvo, with her Volvo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's uh the, yeah it has a lot to do with masculinity there and just kind of yeah. like what it means to be a man and because it comes right. back to these these roles that people have to play totally and, and they they have an idea of what the man's role is and then really it's kind of like you know the whole Madonna and the whore thing with 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 when you know the way a man might look at a woman is like you're either the the mother figure or you're the woman that I fuck basically or yeah. then you're a daughter which eventually you'll become a mother figure and like so basically they look at things so very black and white like no women act like this they're either like a stripper that I fuck or they're the they're the person who takes care of my kids and then men act yeah. like this they're they can go out and like fuck whoever they want and do whatever they want and they should yeah. be able to get away with it it doesn't matter and basically come home and have a cooked dinner by the wife on the table and yeah. you know um uh I think that's that's kind of a huge thing here and and we see that through Tony's eyes. Like Tony deals with all the women in his life in this episode, his wife, his sister, his mom and Tracy. And we're going to get a new one pretty soon too. That's very true. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think it has a lot to do with that. And then also, you know, like basically the, the limits of like how far you're going to care about someone if they can't do anything for you or if they can't make you any money. Yeah. You I know? think that that's the thing is that like, you know, she's not on Tracy isn't on Tony's payroll. Yeah. Um, but once she becomes like Sill's investment, then he has to go over there and slap her around, you know, and, and Ralphie has to be down with it. Yeah. And Ralphie's also laughing about her getting beaten up. It's, yeah. It's yeah, like, it's Ralphie is like, I don't want to say he's worse than Sill. Cause like, Sill's a cool guy, you know, yeah, but, like, I mean, but, uh, Sill's the one who's like beating her up and stuff, but like Ralphie's laughing about it, which kind of, that's like, I don't know how that's worse, but it feels worse. <laughs> So yeah, for some reason. You yeah, know? I don't know. It's it's pretty ugly all around. The actual murder scene is is pretty ugly, dude. It's unfucking yeah. believable. But that's what I mean. She goes, "You feel like a man," and then yeah. that charges him up yep. so much harder. That's it. And yeah. he's just like, he's just like, she's definitely gonna say that I like a pool cue in my butthole. Yeah, yeah. I I, I remember watching this and being like, oh, he's gonna stop. Like this is TV. Like this kind of shit doesn't happen. And then it's like, oh no, he's oh he's still going. Oh, oh, oh this is still going. Oh, oh. she's dead. Yeah, just brutal. Brutal, brutal scene, and then uh, you know, as as twisted and, and weird as this might sound, like I kind of, I, I, you do still like those scenes where like all the guys come out and they're all like on the same team there, like Yo. watching the whole crew come out and just be like, "What the fuck?" And like Paulie's reaction is like, "Well, because it's, it's honestly like seeing Paul, Paul. <laughs> seeing Paul, <laughs> yeah, Paul, Paul walks out with so Christopher, seeing Paul uh, react that way, you're yeah. like, okay, thank God." Because, like, the first time I saw it, I thought they were going to come out and, like, part of me was like, uh-oh, are they going to come out and be like, what did she do? Fuck. Yeah. You know, and, like, you know, but they, they're reacting like we are. They're like, holy fucking shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And I was, like, really relieved when the, that happened for the first time because, yeah. like... I mean, while they, they, I mean, they're like a well-oiled machine. They know how to get rid of a body. Yeah, you I know. know. Too like, well. <laughs> yeah, too well. Like, yeah. I take out the garbage at night. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, 
So there's they're doing that, but like this the 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 kind of interspersed reactions that they have to all of this, they're all just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And uh I I was really relieved to see to see yeah, that, yeah. frankly. I mean you definitely want to see Tony punch Ralphie, but yeah, I you know, you want to see Tony do that to Ralphie almost immediately. Yo, you it's know? so and, good. And uh yeah, I mean it's 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 scary, but like in a entertaining you know it is fiction so there is something that's kind of thrilling about the whole scene just thinking the kind of like oh shit like what's gonna go down like right. you want tony to just like beat the shit out of ralphie and get an immediate revenge and and you just want her well, to be avenged right away and, you do and 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 we have to wait a long time for that we do yeah and yeah. you know but at the same time like it there's all this irony with tony being the one who's avenging her when his little machine is the web that like she got stuck in that ultimately yeah. was her demise. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And he, he's caring way too late. You know, I mean, if he really had yeah. wanted to save her in any way, um, he would have done it earlier, but you know, yeah, exactly. Um, but instead he takes those feelings and he like forces them on meadow. Right. And kind of freaks her out a little bit at times. Yeah. But um, it's, it's also yeah. nice to see him upset about it in therapy in the same way that it's nice to see Polly react to like, what the fuck is this? Like, you know, like, it, yeah, totally. Like, that does differentiate, Tony and Ralphie to some extent, I think. Well, what I, I, hope. Was, what I, I I don't know. No, I think that you're correct, but I also think that Ralph has a much different uh, view on this because of the fact that I'm I'm real I'm doubling down on this fucking on this shit <laughs> on this asshole, this asshole play <laughs> because uh, I think that he was defending his own honor by doing that mm -hmm. because the idea of being outed as any type of a, of a homo or whatever in the mafia mm -hmm. scares these guys to death. Mm -hmm. And like we see that um, this is going to be controversial, but I'm right. We see that with uh, with Phil Leotardo mm -hmm. and Vito mm -hmm. way down the line where where, you know, Phil's attitude about it, because I do believe that Phil and Vito had a relationship. I, the attitude yeah. is like when something like this comes up. There can literally be no debate. Like you, you just have to kill the guy, right? And, and and be and have a totally straight face about it. And I think that Ralphie's reaction to Tony is like it's just it's he's he's completely committed to his position, and he's there's no way he's going to give up any ground in discussion because mm -hmm. he's protecting the secret that he was protecting by killing Tracy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I definitely agree that that is part of it to some extent. Yeah, yeah. I think that he, yeah. That Ralphie's certainly scared about that stuff probably coming out, and uh, and so he's and, what yeah. I what I mean is he's much more prepared to take the consequences of killing this girl mm. than what would have what could have happened if yeah. he, if he didn't you know yeah or he felt like could have happened if he didn't well so he's on tons of drugs so yeah, he's that. on tons of drugs but I think also the other thing too is that like you know as far as uh, people caring about others when they can do something for them like mm -hmm. the truth of the matter is that Ralphie's at least supposed to be uh, in the show world like a really great earner and and really so he's Yo, a commodity himself thing. you know and and he is a commodity he's and Tony an doesn't care about him right but he doesn't have friends really everybody kind of hates him yeah but he makes them money and so that's really like you know if we're talking about like like I, I this episode I think is kind of like the spectrum of empathy where you have like Caitlin Meadows roommate on one end and then like Ralphie all the way on the other end and then people mm. caring about other people to varying degrees, whether or not they can get them something or further them in life. You know what I mean? That's the thing, because by the end of the episode, Meadow's sort of just abandoning Caitlin. Yeah. And like and when she starts to get upset, she's just like, peace, I'm out of here. Pretty much. Yeah. And Noah's 
cool to like hang out for a minute to talk to Caitlin, uh, and it's cool like but when he knows when he can get, get sex thing from with. yeah, yeah exactly. or but then and then as soon as he gets a C minus on a paper, it's like that's it. I no longer care about this person. She's affecting my life and furthering my career. Yeah. I don't care about her anymore. Well, and I know? really I and I love that uh, I love that the the stuff that Meadow says to Carmela when she comes home that night unexpectedly, mm-hmm. and she's like, it's all it's weird, you know. He, he's like all lovey-dovey and then all of a sudden he's just like a totally different person and I, she's like, just like the acting there from from Carmela is Falco, really yeah, amazing like and she's kind of got that like half awake like that's peculiar yeah you it's know like, what I oh, mean it's because he's just trying to bang you and then once he's done banging you he's like I got stuff to do that's I gotta how, go because that's that's men <laughs> I guess so that's sex can you make me a sandwich yeah um sorry that is sexist no I can't believe Noah said that um but yeah, I mean, I think, like, you know, I guess to talk about Kate, Caitlin briefly, like, she's just having empathy overload in this episode and living in New York City. I mean, oh, that's what she, you mean by the, you don't mean empathy that people have for her. You mean empathy that she uh, has the, for yeah, the fucking characters. universe. Because, like, look at her, the reaction to the homeless lady, which yeah. apparently is a story that actually happened to James Gandolfini and the writers heard it and took it and put James it. James Gandolfini the, saw a homeless woman and freaked out. He, he saw, I don't think he freaked out. I think he saw a homeless lady walking around. She bent over and, then there was newspaper in her butt and like he mentioned this in front of like around the writers and then suddenly it showed up in the episode he was like you guys took that that was my story and they were just like yeah we like hear everything and yeah took it. that's good though yeah so um but yeah but, but she... that's also like the thing that is really when you first moved to new york i can say yeah firsthand and i didn't grow up in a rough city yeah, I grew the up mean in a nice, of LA. yeah, the, <laughs> like the mean streets of Santa Barbara. I grew up in like a nice, quiet beach community. Right, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and like I have to say, you know, the homeless in New York City are particularly homeless. Yeah, uh, at times, yeah. and it's not and it's so much rough. the sight as much as the smells mm. for me. But you know, it can be a little bit traumatic the first time. You, yeah, it's hard time. to shake sometimes. Yeah, and I think she's just having like a really hard time in New York in general. On top of the fact that she probably has a serious anxiety disorder anyway. That's you know? yeah, that is just and so it's just like the, the two head. pieces together. And even like thinking about parents, like. You know, there's that scene where she's talking to Meadow. She's like, yeah, my parents were sending me to uh, Vermont or Hampshire College this weekend to, like, talk to this guy. Like, talk to their friends. Yeah. If she's, like, calling home, like, Meadow's going home and just being like, and Caitlin's saying to her mom and dad, like, I'm really anxious. I'm having a hard time here. And their their reaction or their response is to be like, all right, we'll just send you to talk to someone. You know, like, yeah. not that I don't, not that I'm not supportive of therapy, but it's clear that, like, her parents, like, even they kind of, like, maybe don't extend that much empathy towards her no it seems like it and 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 um but i can also say firsthand being someone like you went to college in a place where like it was basically like meadow situation you get home really easily yeah uh probably didn't do laundry at the dorms that often Mm, um i just didn't do laundry (laughs) anytime i wore a shirt i threw it out immediately that's good that's the rock star (laughs) move um and i have no shirts left yeah exactly uh there's no shirts left in the world actually (laughs) i used them all but uh but you know, I I I was a college student who moved across the country. Yeah, yeah. And like, my parents always tried to give me a hand with stuff, but it's also fucking hard. And also, mm-hmm. like, the amount. I mean, I wasn't in bad shape like Caitlin was, mm-hmm. but like, you know, sometimes you're a little bit like, oh shit, like, you know. And and it's hard though because your life is moving so fast and you're partying so fucking much. Like, yeah. how easy is it to call your parents and be like, listen? 
yeah. there's like a serious issue here. Yeah, I think I may have an anxiety disorder. Yeah, you know, and yeah. but meanwhile, someone's like, "Who's the blunt rap?" You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and you know, the partying certainly uh, doesn't help the anxiety either. Like, she she no, goes for the alcohol at the end. When I'm you know, hungover, I get anxious. You yeah, know? that's yeah. like what happens. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, that's what I kind of think of in that story. And I think as much as the story is about Meadow as well, like we're also kind of seeing like Meadow is Tony's daughter. And we're mm-hmm. seeing how she deals with uh, with empathy and how she treats people. And, and she kind of empath- has a view like Tony does, which is like 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 Tony has of of like blacks in the hood. Like, why don't they just get their shit together? You know what yeah. I mean? That's I feel like that's kind of Meadows' view of Caitlyn after a while. I would I would say she falls like perfectly in the middle because when she hears that Noah's dad's got a restraining order, at least she's like, you don't think you could just like confront her about this first like she's at least kind of being like you could try to at least deal with the problem for a second yeah. and if it doesn't work okay fine but like yeah. so she kind of falls right in the middle where she doesn't totally ignore it but she also uh i mean it would be frustrating for anyone i think to deal with that roommate and and she certainly gets frustrated at a certain point and so i don't know but yeah I, I think she's right in the middle and uh and then and then after that it would go noah's a little less empathetic and uh well and, noah has no vested interest yeah you know what i mean and and frankly like you know, if I was banging some girl and like she had a roommate that she wasn't like particularly close with that yeah. was like a giant handful. Yeah. I'd do what I could like in the moments, but I would also probably just be like, yo, you you need help. You should probably go see someone who's more of an expert than me. Yeah, yeah. But if he I'm sure if he cared more about Meadow, he might be more invested. But but yeah, I think ultimately it's kind of is like as you're saying, I don't know if he thought of that as a full-on relationship so much as he was like, yeah, I'm banging this freshman girl, you know? <laughs> and I think that's, that's the thing. It's like, ultimately, he's just kind of super self-serving. And, uh, and you know, speaking of parents, like, the show likes to often compare, you know, Tony as a parent versus these other kind of, like, corporate parents. And, like... What do you mean, like the, like the square parents? Well, it's just kind of like... The civilian ones? I feel like Noah's dad isn't the last lawyery type, like, you know, oh yeah, figure. white caps, the white caps, right? Guy. Yeah, like they like to compare Tony to those kinds of people, and it's like, well, who's really worse? Who's the worst criminal here? And like, it's definitely Tony. I mean, it is definitely Tony. Yeah, <laughs> strictly but, speaking, yeah. it's definitely Tony. <laughs> but like, I just think it's interesting that uh, that Noah needs his big, de- big bad lawyer dad to come in and like kind of fix all his problems for him in the same way. Well, he's that, a like, huge puss. Like, let's be huge, honest. Yeah, he is. But like, it's just. Noah's dad works as swiftly as a mob boss there and just being like C minus she's you have a restraining order against her now there can be no debate about this it's almost like it's almost like she got whacked in a weird like legal (laughs) like paperwork way yeah Yeah. I mean we've all been there yeah yeah. I mean I think I think that that's actually one of my I mean I never ask questions at those like you know discussion things like Mm -hmm. the David Chase thing we were at Mm -hmm. but one of the things I was actually dying to ask but never did because I didn't want him to look at me and say you're fucking stupid (laughs) (laughs) I was was terrified yeah exactly I mean not not, not because he's like me yeah exactly not (laughs) because he's mean but because I didn't want to just ask a question that's like that he would just say uh, yeah means I'm stupid because I would never be able to like live with myself right um but I wanted to ask if like their jabs at like the square community as mm. they say in the big Lebowski you know uh, are, how intentional those were and where that comes from because there's definitely we've talked about like them like constantly shitting on the NPR yeah, douchebag the crowd intelligentsia or, the intelligentsia yeah. basically like the regular honorable people of the world yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> like like whether it's uh, whether it's Kuzumano and his friends being totally dorky and right. like uh, and, and, and so forth, or whether it's, uh, you know, I mean, Artie sort of, you know, they mm. like, 
Yeah. There's a lot of these moments where, oh, uh, definitely the witnesses who, yes. the witness that the comes big forward bad man. With, the, with the, yeah, the big yeah. bad man, yeah. Yeah. the Bevilacqua murder. Right. Um, uh, back to drink water. Back to drink water. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think they put on his tombstone? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I, so I, I wanted to ask about that, but I didn't have an answer. So anyways, moving on. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think it, maybe it's just that like everyone's a bullshitter and kind of don't bullshit a bullshitter thing. It's, yeah, that's you know, true. Like, the, like Noah's dad, all, what I'm saying is just is as full of shit as Tony is just in a different way. Not as bad. Yeah, in a legally sanctioned way, but but <laughs> it's uh, it's just you know he's such a he just is yeah he's he's just such a little shit and uh, yeah, totally. and just a total wimp and um, you know yeah I think and that's, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree I think is I, also one of the things that yeah. we see there you know and I also think what's funny is that like. Noah's dad probably had a lot to say about Meadow and her background, too. Not that this justifies anything that Tony said about, uh, you know, Noah's background in, in the first episode of the season. And how he doesn't want his daughter dating a black. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but I think in between the dinner scene with the dad and the breakup scene in the library, Noah's dad sat him down and was like, she works in, wa- her dad works in waste management. Like, really? That's who you're bringing home to me? That's who you're going to marry? Is the is the daughter of a mafia guy? Like, uh, and, you know. To an extent, rightfully so. Not, I mean, Meadows more innocent than Tony is. Well, of course, and, and they're the kind of family where he's like, "How's this going to look on your look on your transcript? Exactly. Like, what are like, they going to say? Is yeah. she going to move with you to wherever you go to med school or law school? Exactly. Or whatever. And so fucking... there's that reverse there. You know, it's it's not as racist as what Tony's doing in that first episode. No, but she's certainly but, being judged based on her dad. Yeah, and you he, know? you know, Meadow at least stood up to Tony and was like, "Fuck you! I'm dating this guy. I'm in love with this guy, actually." But Noah immediately caved to his dad's pressure i think well this was, was also like, meadow no. like officially stepping out of line you know because but think about what happens after this the, like after noah dumps her she basically winds up going out with like all goomba dudes I yeah. mean, even finn is actually italian you yeah. know what i mean yeah yeah um but she starts to kind of fly she kind of just pulls a more enlightened janice you know she she yeah. she ultimately ends up coming back and from all you know, from everything we know, marrying another child of the mafia. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. She goes, yeah, she goes right back to to her dad, basically, in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I think it's interesting, like that she comes right home after she has sex for the first time and is like super chipper and kind of like rubbing it in Tony's face. And then I like that she's just Tony's daughter through and through in that last scene where she comes home pissed, just looking for food and slamming all the cabinets in the kitchen and yeah. the fridge door. And it's just, you know, there's a flashback to that scene. Um, yeah, the season four finale yeah. in the season four finale when they get, when they split up. And I, and I always wonder now that I've seen season four, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have, <laughs> yeah. I, I always wonder why, like now when I, whenever I watch this episode, I always wonder why they flash back to it in this moment. And that I think it's been a little while since I've seen that, but I think she's just kind of when she's like crying because her parents are getting divorced. Yeah, I think she's like, spoiler, sorry. (laughs) I think she's she's looking back with some kind of regret that like, oh, I could have like appreciated when we were all together as a family more than than uh, than just like being being she's looking down on herself and just upset that that's how she acted instead of like enjoying that her parents were together at that time. That's true. Perhaps she's also like wishing that she wasn't so awful yeah or maybe she doesn't <laughs> want to be like tony i don't know but she's certainly a lot like him in that scene and uh and and yeah i guess you're right like from here on out it's 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 italian guys from the neighborhood basically for yeah, her and essentially i mean where, where do we know where she, she meets finn in the neighbor in, in in college but like mm. 
New York Italian guy, huh? Yeah, uh, yeah. He was in California. I thought he was. He's from California, he's from, but, yeah. but they meet in college. They you do. Know, when yeah. they you know, they have dinner to that Shin song, and yes, they talk about how Billy Bud. Billy Bud is not a gay book, right? <laughs> I'm gonna have to read Billy Bud. I have never read Billy Bud, actually. Uh, uh, that's that's our homework for the week. Definitely not a gay book. No, apparently not. Not Carmela says no, so she's always right. <laughs> Carmela says no. <laughs> um, so, uh, a little abbreviated uh, university talk here today. Uh, oh, one of the things I wanted we, to mention, yeah. we're not going to play the song because, honestly, like I, oh, I, yeah. I, I do feel like it's a little bit overused yeah, in, yeah. The, in the episode. It's, but that op- the opening sequence is a little bit... Uh, it just doesn't do anything for me, really. You know, where they're mm-hmm. at... The, it's like, okay, we're at the Bing. Like, we know what this is. It's not a new place that we're seeing. You yeah, know but I, mean? I think for this episode in particular, they're framing it that, like, look how... You know, these are young girls like Meadow and, like, the, the men you know, kind of like ogling them from the side. Like, I think it's, it's That's true. It's more like, uh, I don't even know how to say it. like more pointed in this episode. At that yeah, part, I, I think part. you're right. But I, it, it kind of drags on. Like you ever see those, like a TV commercial for like propel fitness water. And it's literally <laughs> like a, a kind of like, an, like a well edited, maybe mm-hmm. sequence of people exercising to like uptown funk. And mm-hmm. it's like, as if like <laughs> this cool, like, and, and it, it, there's no cohesion for me. You know what yeah. I mean? And, but, what I was going to say was that I think that one of the reasons for that is because they like wanted to use the song because actually, so the song is called living on a thin line yeah. by the kinks. Yep. And, um, one of the brothers, it's either Dave Davies or Ray Davies. I think it's Dave Davies. Um, he actually, he's like this, his politics about England are like really, really weird. Oh yeah. He's not like a, he, from what I understand, he's not like a new age, like sort of, classic baby boomer hippie guy he kind of wants england to like go back to (laughs) like he's just no no, well maybe (laughs) but he he, it it just seems like i it's one way or the other but i think to make england great again he wants to make england great again that's that's sort of what it is i i don't think he's like particularly right wing but i think he's like he misses the tradition of Britain. Maybe okay, we'll have okay. the NFC fact checkers check this out for Add it us. Add to the list. Yeah, um, put it on the whiteboard. Put, we'll put him on the uh, interview wait list. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll get the kink someday. I yeah, think. tell him that. <laughs> tell him that we'll maybe get around to them. But um, I think that he, basically, his, the, the view and what this song is about, from what I understand, yeah. is sort of like Tony's view of the mafia. Yeah, like, probably. Like you know, there was a golden age that 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 he missed. You know, I gotcha. And like, there's sort of no mafia now. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. It's sort of a bunch of like independent contractors like killing whores and yep. like doing weird shit like that. And like it's easy to pretend, you know, it's easy for Tony to pretend that would never happen back in like the 50s. Mm-hmm. But it totally would. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. also England back in the day was awful. <laughs> the shit that they did was not good. Yeah. yeah. So there there we go. That's my yeah. two cents. Uh, I mean that song. It was it was really it was it was popular for a lot of fans. They I guess they that was I like the song that the the people asked the most questions about. Apparently it was what song is that? What song is that? I like the song. Yeah, it's yeah. a good song. Um, it's a really well, well done song. But it's it's just I don't know. There's something about like the length of the intro with like how long we're just seeing like scenes cut together of the Bing. Yeah, I don't know. Not yeah. my not my favorite moment, but um. Well, it also sets up the last, you know, the cyclical kind of nature of it at the end where, like, you know, uh, Tracy's gone, but then there's this new stripper and they're just like, get up on stage. And they're like, and, don't talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is And so uh, it's all just going to be forgotten. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, all right. Kill. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, that's that's our kind of abbreviated talk about university because we had to get that David Chase stuff in. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about Second Opinion, which is another another great episode. Scoop of the fucking game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is yeah, another one of the top episodes of the show. I think this is this is one, and next week is one of the one of the top episodes, top eighty six episodes, easily. <laughs> Definitely one of the top season three episodes. Yeah. of any show of oh, all time. Exactly. Definitely better than Breaking Bad. <laughs> um. So that's it. We'll see you. Uh. We'll see you visually next week we're going to come visit all of you next week and we're going to wear, the podcast. T- we're gonna wear the t-shirts we aforementioned yeah <laughs> and just keep on tcb and yeah keep on tcb and this is nfz we'll see you bye